filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Ladies and gentlemen, filibuster freestyle video bomb coming at you for a little thing called Super Bowl 52 preview show. We're going to do a big mega cast, mega podcast this week on the filibuster freestyle, filibusterfreestyle.com. And for those of you listening to this, it will be immediately after I finish this intro. Uh, for those of you watching on Facebook Live, it's your buddy Gavin. Sorry, I'm in the shadows here. Got the Yeti blue microphone in front of me. And filibusterfreestyle.com is where you can find us, as well as iTunes, where you can subscribe, leave a review, help others find us. So a couple hot takes before we get into our teaser of our Super Bowl megacast. Um, Number one, places listening. We are in a steel cage match situation right now between Ashburn, Virginia, and Tokyo, Japan for most listens this week. Tokyo came out of nowhere last week, blew everybody out of the water. Our friends in Ashburn, Virginia, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C., decided they were going to come in, come in hot, take the title back. And they were able to, but barely, because Tokyo came in hot a second week in a row in both those cities Blew everybody else out of the water. So thanks to those places for listening. Thanks to everybody for listening. Props to Johannesburg or Johannesburg. Tomato, tomato in my book. South Africa for cracking the top 10 this week as well. The nations of France, the Netherlands, and Brazil round up the top five countries listening with the U.S. and Japan being number one and two. And then finally, I want to give it up for Tunisia for listening and checking in this week to the filibuster freestyle. So a couple things. Last weekend, I finally saw The Last Jedi. I enjoyed it. I saw it in IMAX. If you haven't seen it yet and you plan on it, spoiler alert, going to tell you how a lot of it ends. But it's been out for like a month and a half, so that's kind of on you, like it was kind of on me until last Saturday when I went and saw it by myself. I've got a tradition of going to see new Star Wars releases by myself. Uh, I wasn't going to deviate now. But really, the movie didn't disappoint. It was very good. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm probably going to do a deeper dive at some point with one of our pundits on... The Last Jedi, and where the, where the series and franchise could go from here. Uh, that being said, and those of you who have seen it who are still paying attention, great. And to those of you, again, who haven't seen it, I'm really about to spoil things here. They've essentially killed off the characters Han Solo in the last movie, and now, at the end of this movie, Luke Skywalker. Now, Luke Skywalker is like Yoda and Ben Kenobi and others. I think he'll come back because... He's part of the Force, and even in the old, old Star Wars, they'd bring back Alec Guinness or the guy who was in the Yoda costume or Darth Vader. Uh, they'd bring them back and show them in kind of spirit form. I think Luke will do that, but essentially Luke, the man, the breathing creature, if you will, was killed off at the end in a very heroic way, in a very cool way. But my point is, my hot take is, Han Solo is dead. Luke Skywalker is dead. Princess Leia Organa is still alive. The irony of this is that Harrison Ford, who has played Han Solo, still alive. Mark Hamill, who has played Luke Skywalker, still alive. And unfortunately, Carrie Fisher, who has played Princess Leia over the years, is no longer alive. Now, through the wonders of CGI, they're able to have her continue to be a part of this movie. And I'm not really sure how I feel about that, but it seems like Leia, the character, is necessary for the future of this franchise, for the protagonist, Rey, especially played by Daisy Ridley. 
But it's just really odd that they had to keep the Leia character alive when clearly that's the hardest to do because they don't have that actor available anymore. Meanwhile, they got rid of Harrison Ford's character and Mark Hamill's character mainly as well. Kind of a hot take there. More to come on that. Um, I do think it's great to be able to continue to see Carrie Fisher, and I do think that The Last Jedi was a great movie. I'm not going to let any of that bother me, especially in Star Wars. It's the epitome of science fiction. I mean, if you can get beyond the suspension of disbelief of that cantina band from, like, the original Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back, you don't need to worry about some CGI 40 years later. Next hot take. So, you know how if you're on Spotify, sometimes it'll ask you if you want to sign in through Facebook or sometimes if you join some other kind of third-party service, you can sign up with your email account or through Facebook. For instance, I signed up for a, a, uh, a class pass, uh, a third-party gym workout app on Facebook. Um, back in the day when I was doing this, and I know pundit Sarah, uh, Cindy Harrington was doing this too, and, and many others of you who listen have been on the show, when you would sign up for dating apps, you would potentially sign up through your Facebook. And I bring this up because lately on my Facebook feed, I've been getting a lot of people I might know. And these people I, don't, I might know, I think the algorithm is that, that when Facebook asks for your phone contacts, um, they start aggregating all the people on your phone who are also on Facebook who you're not friends with. So it actually has nothing to do with dating apps, but, but it will in a second. But you meet random strangers over the course of time if you're on a dating app. And some of those strangers actually make it into your phone. And some of those strangers make it into their phone under their full names because maybe you go on a few dates with them. Maybe you date them for a little while, etc. But the funny thing is, two, three, four years later, the people you may know are people whose phone numbers are in your phone and you're not friends with Facebook. What the algorithm doesn't realize is they're not your friends for a reason. Like you didn't go on a third date with them or a first date with them even, or whatever. So really interesting that I've been seeing a lot of these random people who I'm like, who is this person? And I'm like, oh, I met them when I first moved to Charlotte. Oh, probably not going to become Facebook friends with them. Anyway, hot take there. Finally, Super Bowl 52. We're going to have on at least four guests this week before the big game, and we're probably going to do a quarter-by-quarter live Facebook Live megacast with pundit Cindy Harrington, live from Charlotte during the game. But pregame, we're leading up to the game. I'm going to have Dan O'Brien, former Eagles season ticket holder. Dan Ruddle, current, lifetime Eagles season ticket holder. Roscoe P., who was with me the night the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, also their third Super Bowl, but we'll get into the first one. And my cousin Doug Brown, who was with me last year in Miami, who was with me and many others there, me and many others during Super Bowl 40 excuse me, 49, but more importantly, he and his wife, Bridget, and their newborn baby, Theo, just moved to Philadelphia, so he needs to watch this Super Bowl, literally, in the belly of the beast. All those guests will be on, potentially Carl Ray and or Carl Ray's lovely wife, a couple Eagle season ticket holders there, too. Uh, this podcast is, uh, our punditry is overwhelmingly fans of either the Eagles or the Patriots. We got to do a podcast on that, for sure. And the one hot take I want to leave you all with to tease listening, and again, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes now, it will be right after this. But if you're not, if you're not doing that, then check out filibusterfreestyle.com later this week or our Facebook page or SoundCloud or iTunes, and you'll get to hear it. But my hot take is going to be this. I can't even find it. I'm so sorry. 
basically it's that the Patriots undefeated season, Super Bowl 42 year, them losing to the Giants was the was the absolute reason that they've won two of the last three Super Bowls and they're playing in their third Super Bowl in four years. And I'm going to give you that hot take and many others when we do the Megacast, which again, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes, is coming up next. And if you're watching this on Facebook Live, check later, check back later this week, midweek, previous, prior to the Super Bowl for the Filibuster Freestyle Super Bowl 52 Madness Throwdown Showdown Podcast. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. It's your buddy Gavin. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, no podcast has more hardcore pundits who are Eagles fans, lifelong, or lifelong Patriots fans than the filibuster freestyle. And everybody who listens knows that I'm hardcore for the Pats, and I would be remiss to pile on and bandwagon it up. So I'm going to go in the opposite direction and go after one of the biggest Eagles fans I know. You know him from Wall and Dragons, Dan O'Brien. Good to talk to you, sir. How are you? Hi, Gav. I'm, I'm great. I'm tense. Uh, I'm excited. I'm titillated. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to go, both for the Super Bowl and for this podcast. Well, that is excellent news. I am so glad to hear that. <laughs> and just so for those of you who obviously can't see Dan, uh, because this is an audio podcast, he's already got an Eagles jersey on, and it's Monday night. We're six days away from the big game. My only question is, do you have a jersey for every day, or is this one getting worn the whole week? I might have Eagles gear for every night, but I don't have a jersey for every night. Unfortunately, uh, my lovely bride made me stop buying sports jerseys at a certain age, so I didn't become a jersey guy uh, and have like a closet full of jerseys at age 40, So, which I get. That's fine. I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy, but there's nothing wrong with being that guy. Eh. All I know I is if it wasn't for you and your former life as a jersey guy, I wouldn't have a sweet 1984 Andre Tippett Patriots jersey. From some illegal place in China, so... Oh, that is fantastic. I'm jealous of it. And you know what? The same place I ordered a Deshaun Jackson Kelly Green one, which is what I'm wearing right now, and it just doesn't hold up, you know? Not the same as Andre Tippett, but that's only because Deshaun Jackson has played for the entire NFC East at this point. Anyway, the last time we talked on the pod about the Eagles, the Eagles were... dominating the aforementioned NFC East, and now they're in the Super Bowl, and we'll get to that in a bit, but... You've been going to Eagle. Well, you mentioned the last time you were on being a being an Eagle season fit ticket holder is a young man's game. And back in the early aughts, the early two thousands, the Eagles. I went. And you correct me if I'm wrong. At least three, if not four, straight NFC championships. Correct. Yes. Uh, they went to they went to four. I'm not sure if they were all consecutive. Okay, it went to four. I think it was at least yeah. three in a row though, and they won in the third yes. try of those three consecutive. So I believe you're going to regale us with a story from the vet. And it might have been the Buccaneers one, which would be they lost the NFC Championship. But it gives you a sense of the passion that's going on in Philadelphia right now uh, for, yeah. you, for you to recant one of the darkest days in your playoff life. Yeah, I, I feel it. What was the Patriots' uh, first Super Bowl victory? Uh, it was Super Bowl 36. So it was, it was like 2001, 2002. It was 2001. Uh, actually, well, February of 02. When Roscoe P. and I talk later tonight, the folks will hear a great story about how he tackled me in the street after the game. So we'll go. We'll get to that later. <laughs> oh, that must, that must be nice to have a football story that ends happily. I wouldn't know. Correct. But I did get speared in the street in February in New England, so it wasn't exactly like my nice. favorite. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll just tell you about one of my most uh, 
outstanding, and I mean that outstanding not in it was amazing, but just that it was memorable. It was a singular uh, moment. Out. Yeah, it was a singular moment. Uh, a day that we went to, it was, it was January 19th. I had to look it up today. Good. To I'm glad you did, because you know, you're a fact checker. You know, you, you're a member of the crack research team. You know, I do my research. We had the crack research team on it from the filibuster freestyle. Uh, we got them working in shifts. <laughs> it's a big week for the freestyle. Uh, it, it was January 19th, 2003. Yep. Uh, I was a early 20-something child. It was out there, uh, you know, having a nine to five, but still rooting for the Eagles. We had tickets for for the game. Actually, there was we were having big parties of all the oh, everybody was having parties for these playoff games because the Eagles, if you recall, in the previous 15, 20, 30 years, in 1981 they got to the Super or 1980 they got to the Super Bowl. Right. One, and they lost. And in between that and 2003, between 1981 and 2003, uh, they had a couple of playoff. Uh, they went to the playoffs a handful of times, yep. and lost with you know lost in the first round with like things like the Falk Bowl. Oh, that was against Chicago, right? That was against Chicago, exactly. It's just like very random, weird losses, and it was never anything memorable. There was no never any march through the playoffs that they had. They could never string anything together. Yep. Um, and in the meantime, you also had the hated rivals of uh, you know the Washington Redskins had their turn in the eighties. The the Giants had their turn a That's couple right. different times. And the Cowboys did uh, too. And then the Cowboys had the mid-90s where they just steamrolled through everybody. So in 2003, we had a, a youngish quarterback named Donovan McNabb. It was the last year, the last game at Veterans Stadium. Of all time. Hated, yeah, the, uh, the most hated Veterans Stadium. But, you know, it was one of those things that everybody else hates it, but you love it because it's yours. Yeah, it's your, uh, it's your it piece was, of crap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it was a piece of crap, let it be known. It was a horrible place to play. It was a horrible place to watch a game. Um, but it was loud and concrete and astroturfy. <laughs> so it was the last game, last Eagles game at the vet. And we really thought that this was our turn. We were going into the NFC Championship and we're playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I know they've since won, they, they won a Super Bowl. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it was that year. Uh, I mean, yeah, up until then. They were kind of a joke of a football franchise. And they had never won a game in the cold, under like 46 and, degrees. And it was 16 degrees with a windshield, 23 without. So it was a pretty cold game. Not awful, but it was a pretty cold game. But the confidence of Eagles fans was sky high. And right. I, can, I can say that definitively because having living through this week right now, going into the Super Bowl, everybody is very... Uh, you know, happy, excited, happy, but tempers, or, uh, you know. Uh, it's a measure, is it a measured tone? A measured tone? It is measured. It is, oh, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. For this NFC Championship game, it's Tampa Bay, when it was the last game of the bet, it was people who were already making Super Bowl plans. It was a done deal. We yeah. were going to beat John Gruden and the silly Buccaneers. That's no problem. So I we had tickets, so we had tickets up in the 700 level, the uh, – the infamous 700 level of the vet. That's the highest level. They you don't. Can get. They don't make those anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. They do not. Uh, yeah, you could do a you could do a week's worth of podcasts on stories from the 700 level between myself and Dan Brundle and some other people. Um, but we, I pulled into my friend's house who had the tickets at about 8 a.m. Sunday morning. Yep. Uh, this was a I don't know. It was a mid afternoon game. He comes out with a giant bottle of Grey Goose, like a comic bottle of Grey Goose they had at bars. Like a caricature of a bottle of Grey Goose. Exactly. And but actually full of Grey Goose. Full of, of booze, yeah. And Oof. we decide for some reason we're going to drink 
vodka and Red Bulls at this at this uh, tailgate party. Mm-hmm. Those will work, by the way. Those will work. Yeah, and nobody, nobody has Red Bull, so we have to stop at the Walmart down by the stadium beforehand. But they don't sell it by the case, so we have to go in the little mini fridge by the checkout and get you know twenty four individual Red Bulls, and it costs like something like eighty five dollars. Worth it, but, totally worth yeah, it. Totally worth it. So we go down there, and the details I don't necessarily remember for a million reasons. One, it was fifteen years ago. B, you know, we were having vodka Red Bulls, um, <laughs> but I know I've never felt more alive and more unsafe in my life than in the parking lot before this game. And I've been to a number of, of games, number, number of sporting events, I've been to a number of concerts, uh, and this was a scene that I've, uh, I've never witnessed before. There was naked people standing on top of RVs, diving off them into the crowds. There was, a, I, I'll tell you, like I said, I've been to a lot of tailgates I've never seen illicit drugs, like hardcore drugs, use at tailgates. Right. I saw it at this. Okay. And it was shocking. And I didn't know what was happening. It was a little, it was, I was taken aback. Correct. I mean, you you pretty much are living in a lawless, I mean, that, that basically down that way at the sports complex in Philly, for those of you who don't know, it's just a giant parking lot. And so what you're telling me is that that lawless, that, that parcel of land became a lawless bastion. For it was like, the Thunderdome. Yeah. It was the Thunderdome yeah. for, for a few hours leading up to this game. And the yeah. cops were just like, screw it, we're doing this. You know what? I don't recall a large... No, nobody was intervening. You know, not, nobody was fighting or lighting things on fire necessarily. Um, so the police were standing back yeah. uh, and just you know letting the day proceed. Um, now, it came time to walk to the stadium. And, I, you know, I had been tailgating for a few hours and I felt okay, but it wasn't... I was excited for the game more than anything. My counterpart, who had both tickets, uh, he had really gotten inebriated, and I didn't realize. Uh, right, because you were inebriated enough to not be paying attention to his levels of inebriation, correct? Yeah, exactly. I knew. I was like, oh, boy, so-and-so is – we'll, we'll leave names out of this, but so-and-so – it's nobody that's ever been on the podcast. Right. Uh, so-and-so is, is – you know, he's having a lot. He better watch himself. But, like, you know, it was okay. We'll, All in good we'll fun. Right. Yeah, but we'll a hot dog inside the stadium, we'll be fine. <laughs> so we start walking towards the stadium. You know, it's, it's about to be game time. We start walking towards the stadium. Uh, and my my friend turns to me, and there's a long line to get to these porta-potties. And quite honestly, the porta-potties were there, and then there was other people just, you know, there was a lot of urination. A lot of outside was, tinkling, if you will. Exactly. You know, which is not completely out of the ordinary for yeah. a situation like this. That wasn't one of the more startling things I've seen. And uh, my friend decides to just go to the bathroom in his pants uh, <laughs> without without mentioning it to me and because he didn't feel like waiting in line. And this is before the game even started. So he didn't even, you know, and I'm not trying to get too graphic here, but it wasn't as if he decided he was going to remove at least parts of his pants so that he could urinate outside. He decided that his pants were a safe, a safe cloaking device for him, in which for him to urinate in. It was a willful urination in his pants. And this is pregame. It was pregame. It was hands up, announcing it to me, highlighting it, and then I could see the results. Um, so I, that's when I, I, it really hit me. Said, "This isn't. Regardless of the outcome of the game, this is not going to be a fun afternoon for me. This is not going to be good." Right. right. It, it's. I knew what I was getting walking into, and I had to sit next to this person for the entire game. Right. So you're sitting. Yeah. Wow. 
So, and all the other people we were at, we were tailgating with had tickets in different parts of the stadium. Right, so you didn't have to deal with that. Now, did anybody else know that he had done this, or was it just your little secret? He announced it to I, yeah. the entire row of cars that had to have seen it. Uh, yes, it was not a secret. He was not hiding it. It, it. it was actually the opposite of a secret. He was shouting it out and telling people. So, like a, a point of pride, if you will. Yes. So, just move, to move the story forward, you know, I'm, I'm in shock. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what's happening. Sure. I get the ticket from him, <laughs> and we're walking towards the stadium. The game is, you know, imminently starting, and people are funneling into the turnstiles, old school turnstiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are funneling into them, and it's getting uh, – people are really looped up. They're ready to go, the, as much as the, my friend was. Right. The so most – the most probably the most lubed the vet ever was, arguably, right? I would say it would have to be. And the NFC Championship, overconfidence factor skyrocketing, and the last game ever, no matter what the result, right? Close me out the stadium, yeah. Okay. Uh, and an NFC Championship where we haven't – seen an NFC championship since 1980. 1980, right. So many people were either little children or not yet born in the stadium. So this is the biggest game in most of the people in the stadium. In their lifetimes, yeah. Huge. Yeah. Uh, so we're going in. My friend, I'm basically holding him and he's standing up at this point only because the entire crowd is crushed so close, you know. Uh, That's good. <laughs> yeah. So I push him first to the turnstiles and they take his ticket and they rip it and they give it back. This is before like paper online tickets. We had real tickets. Actual stubs. ticket stubs, yes. Yeah. So I hand my ticket to the, the, the guy, and as I do, like five people start jumping and climbing over the the turnstile, just trying to sneak, just jump in. It's going for and it. If like six people do it at the same time, they can't catch us all. That was the uh, that was the. It's a great song. mentality. You know, it's what's prison of dilemma. You know, yeah. sellers are going to win. So I get, I, I, I've handed my ticket to the guy at the gate. He looks at me, and they start forming a plan to, uh, to get the, the cops involved and to stop this rush through the gate. And he just looks at me, and he's like, just go, just go. And he's holding on to my ticket stub. I'm like, all right, no problem. I, I know where I'm sitting. My friend has the ticket over here. Even though we've never sat in these state seats before, I'm sitting with him. So I just go inside. I, as we're walking in, I hear... The opening kickoff, and Brian Mitchell of the Philadelphia Eagles runs it back for the touchdown. Mm -hmm. Emotions are now, now I don't even care. I don't care about my ticket stuff. I don't care about my drunk friend. All I know is we just ran back the opening kickoff. It's 7 nothing. yeah. This game is in the bag, and it is a party. We are going to kill it. I just got to get to our, get my friend to our seats, and we're going to have a blast. This is fantastic. So I walk him to our seats, and we have to walk up very high, like to the top of the stadium. Then it's... It's not easy. And then you have to slide by a bunch of people or in the middle of the row. I get him into a seat. We're sitting there. Uh, he keeps trying to order beers, and I stopped that right away. Yeah, so that, the thing is, I've just given up on really, of like, you know, having any cocktails or anything like that. I'm just here babysitting and hoping the Eagles win. You were the chaperone slash fan, yeah. Yeah, I know the ceiling on my day, my afternoon, has just really come down. But there, it's still pretty high. The good news is your pants are dry, and the Eagles are up 7 nothing, right? I mean, Yeah, oh, exactly. Life, life is good. It's not perfect, certainly, but life is good. Uh, then my friend proceeds to tumble down three rows of, of, of <laughs> uh, in the stadium over people. 
and uh, they call they call the police on him as they should. Uh, they, and they ask yes, the unruly behavior. They ask the the cops come in. They say, "Oh, my my fault, no big deal." They ask to check our tickets. Normally, wouldn't be a big problem. Oh no! The problem, my friend who can't even speak, he has a ticket. Me, who I'm trying to act as his his advocate, I don't have a ticket or any reason to be there. I can't show them anything. Right. And they don't want to hear anything from me, nor do I have a leg to stand on because I'm standing with this guy. Right. (laughs) Not helping. No. So we both have to vacate these seats. Oh, no. You're asked to leave, yeah. So I spend the rest of the game uh, in the hallways where you come in trying to peek and watch the game from basically the, the concourse. And it, that was a giant fishbowl of concrete. They didn't have... It wasn't, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like open space. air like they are today where you get some like nice vistas to like watch as you're buying souvenirs and such. Exactly. No walkways. None of that. Um, and so the whole the next three quarters, I spent watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense... Uh, come into its own and return touchdowns for interception, interceptions for touchdowns and uh, uh, dominate the Eagles. The only touchdown the Eagles scored all, all day was the one I missed, the opening kickoff. They lost 27 to 10. Uh, I walked out. My friend tried to continue to try to buy beers the entire time, and I just had to basically hold him up against the wall for three quarters. And, it's really Jones in uh, for beer, man. Yeah, well, you know, you know the feeling once you're in that in the, in that world. No uh, question, no question. And I just tried to get him a pretzel the whole time, and we, we ate some 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 soft pretzels, a local fare. A Philly a Philly favorite, an excellent yeah. Philly local item, soft pretzels. So then the whole time I forgot about this part too. I was talking to my friends over the weekend. We were reminiscing about the story. The whole time I'd been texting with friends at home, like, "Oh God, so and so is a mess. Oh, now he's doing this. Now he's doing that." I was basically giving like a play by play. Because that was my only entertainment. Right. The game. Right. The game wasn't that good anymore, quite honestly. And also, I could barely see it. I'd like peek over. Right. So, and, and we didn't have like camera phones or like smartphones back then either. Yeah. So I drive home from the game, uh, and we we get back to our place, and my friend immediately passes out on the couch. Now across the street, our friends who lived across the street had been having a viewing party, and they had a big you know big thing going on, and it was still happening. They were still nice. Parking. So my friend passes out on the couch, uh, and who, who had been with me the whole game, and I go across the street and say, well, I'm back, here we go, John's across the street. The entire party goes across the street, and it's like, oh, they pick him up. They're like, oh, we've been hearing about you all day. They drag him up back across the street and had him retell the story and uh, basically uh, made him, made fun of him for the next hour or so until it got boring. Uh, Which is nice, a nice, a nice level of solace when your team doesn't get it done, you know? At least it, it was some sort of uh, it was it was a small revenge, I guess, that he could be tortured a little bit at the end of the day to make up for, for my afternoon of torture. Right. Uh, yeah, you you were you did yeoman's work there, you know. Yeah, it's not a fun story, quite honestly. Uh, it, it's not fun, but quite uh, all Eagles stories and most Philadelphia sports stories are not fun, nor do they end well. Right, uh, but I think what we show here is the the how much. Probably making the Super Bowl this year, especially with a backup quarterback having to come in for the last six weeks or so, how much that means to a fan base that, I mean, let's face it, Philadelphia has four major sports teams, like many cities in the Northeast, very provincial, you know, but even though the Eagles' last championship was pre-Super Bowl era, I would say 
easily the one, two, and three favorite teams in Philadelphia are the Eagles, and then the other guys are like fourth through sixth, right? Every, you know, everybody's got a different one through four uh, when it comes to uh, to the four major sports in Philadelphia. Um, but I would say 75%, if not higher, of Philadelphia's number one sports team is the Eagles. We all love the Phillies when they made that run. Yes, I was there for it, and I can attest, yeah. I can attest to that. You guys came yeah, out in droves. It was great, but I, I think you heard this too while we were there. A lot, a lot of us said this, and you heard it from a lot of people. Is that make no mistake? This is this is an Eagles town, and if and when the Eagles were ever to, to make a run like this, it'll be ridiculous. Suffi- uh, suffice to say, if the Eagles, uh, let's just put it in very hypothetical terms. I want to have sure. a, I want to have a jinx-free podcast for everybody. But uh, thank you, I appreciate that. If and when the Eagles win a Super Bowl in their history, okay? Yeah. Yes. Do you think what you saw in that day in the vet? Stadium parking lot would be literally the entire footprint of Center City, Philadelphia? No, not at all. And I'll tell you why. Uh, personally, my age group is all older and wiser. And yes. Mature. Also, I think the city is too. The city in 2003 was starving for championships, starving for, starving for winning anything. So they would just um, take, they would let people do what they wanted because they just wanted to win. Exactly. And I think that was. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was the first of the four NFT championships the Eagles went to. It might have um, been. Maybe second. I don't have it in front of me. And Maybe the second. It was. They might have lost the year before, but I think this was the one they were going to win. But there's a little bit more of, um, not that we expect it, but it's not like the first time we've ever been there at this point. Right. Um, also, they're not tearing down the stadium, uh, which which helps out. It, it'll, be, it'll be nuts. I, I, I was out there. You think? Were you out there in 2008? I, I was, I was, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. The first hour was great. It got a little dicey after that, but I expected to be more people but happier, and I was thinking about it on the way to work today. I am a, I'm a relatively grounded person who is... Yeah, I would, say, I would agree with you. Yeah, I think for, for a 40-year-old, I've not experienced a great deal of trauma in my life. I have, I'm pretty moderate in my opinions and my behavior for the most part. Yeah. I will weep uncontrollably, I think, if they win a Super Bowl. I will say that. That's totally uh, fair. And it's because of, you know, Eagles and, you know, that is what it is. But uh, the team as well, which I went over last uh, last month about why you should root for the Eagles. You did. You made a very compelling case about why you should root for the Eagles. And, you know, frankly, if uh, if, they weren't if, pitted they weren't, ag- if they weren't pitted against my absolute favorite <laughs> football team – I would be I would be swayed, man. You know, and, and I think many others out there are definitely swayed because. But here are the two here are the two fan bases that don't want the Eagles to win. Clearly, the Patriots fan base because you know, and then the host city Minnesota Vikings fans. Yeah, yeah. My yeah, favorite my favorite meme of the week was a bar that said "Welcome Eagles fans, have come inside for free beers thrown at you." <laughs> yeah, that wasn't. Great. Um, you I'm just can't let nice Midwesterners like. What are you guys thinking? You'll never stand a chance in Philadelphia. I think. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it, like the Santa throwing snowing snowballs to Santa and all that. A lot of it's overblown and overplayed. And uh, uh, but at the same point, if you walked in there with a Vikings jersey, I'm sure you got razzed a, a great deal. Um, now, I don't think it was all the case. It was 100% of the case, but the ones that happened definitely got amplified. And then Philadelphia Twitter 
decided to take the ball and run with it and yeah. continue to heckle Millie, the 99-year-old or 100-year-old yeah. fan. That it was, um, you know, sure, all fun and games. It's, it's funny right. uh, to a degree, but uh, it wasn't in great taste. I feel like 100-year-olds are like toddlers. They should be off limits on Twitter. Like, it, you know... But but not but neither here nor there, and, and honestly, Patriots fans wouldn't be any better. So, but those poor those poor Midwesterners, those poor nice Minnesotans, have to host a team that just absolutely ran them out of town. So anyway, but and it's still, oh, and Gavin, it's a week later. It's still going on. People are still talking about saying that if Philadelphia were to win, they should have their second parade in Minneapolis. Um, and it was it's still got like the, the people who were heckling them last week they're not they're doubling down yeah and again I'm not saying I haven't gotten a few chuckles here and there but uh, I will never say that it was classy oh all, all, all's fair in fandom well Dan listen I gotta call our buddy Dan Ruddle current oh, great. current season ticket holder of the Philadelphia yes. Eagles a, a man who despite it being a young man's game decides no 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 I'm in it forever and he goes with his dad more often than not. Yeah, so his dad's a real lifer too. So I'm going to hear from super fan Dan Ruddle next on what it was like to be at the game last week at the link. So yeah, they, they are hard. They are hardcore super fans uh, and cla- the classy longtime fans, not the fans that like myself who are sometimes season ticket holders and then get a game here and there. Yeah, they're they're in it. They're in it no matter what. So hey, man, I will catch up with you uh, before and certainly after the Super Bowl, but I. Let's just say I hope it's a well-played football game that's entertaining and made the, the, you know, what, what, I don't even know what they would say in Game of Thrones, but, uh, you know, Viacon Diaz. <laughs> I'll just say, um, if the, the Patriots do win at the end uh, this weekend, don't contact me for a month. Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you time. That's fair. Yeah. And maybe next year, if our teams meet up, I can tell you about the time where I was at the game where Michael Irving broke his neck and the stadium cheered. <laughs> no better way to leave it than that, Dan. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, take care. Have a great evening, Gavin. You too, man. See ya. Go Eagles. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as we just promised, Dan Ruddle joins us now. We've heard from a former season ticket holder in Dan O'Brien, but I want to talk to somebody who's still doing it and doing it every year and doing it well. Dan Ruddle, biggest Eagles fan that I know. How are you, Dan? Uh, I'm good. Man, I am breaking my no fraternizing with the enemy edict uh, so that I can so that I can pot it up with you, my friend. Uh, things are good. How are you? I'm doing the same. Um, I as we just joked about in the very brief pre-show, I'm doing this on a Monday night because, like you, I want to no disrespect to the fans, of the other team. I want to get into my zone. I'm sure you want to get into your zone. And as Dan O'Brien, as Dan O'Brien just told us. Uh, if the game doesn't go the way he wants, he wants me to not contact him for a month, and that's okay. <laughs> I've said likewise to other friends from Massachusetts and other various parts who are rooting for the past, so uh, don't feel bad. Nope, totally fair, and I w- I'll probably feel very similarly. So, listen, let's let's just go. I mean, you're the only pundit on the show this week who's going to have been directly live at championship weekend last weekend, NFC Championship, yeah. live from the link in Philadelphia. So, I mean, I'm sure, especially because it was a battle of two backup quarterbacks and two great defenses, and no one really knew who was going to win. The Eagles were underdogs, even though they were the one seed, for the second home playoff game in a row. So I'm, I'm sure the crowd and the, like the, the energy changed 
from pregame to the beginning of the game to certainly the, the blowout that it became. So love to hear a little bit about that, but also I would just love sure. to hear love to hear if you get any favorite stories from that day. Well, sure. What do you want me to lead with? You want me to leave the, the favorite stories or Yeah, give me the, give me a favorite sto- give me the favorite stories. All right, so I did not. I mean, I'm sure that you and and everybody out there in filibuster freestyle fandom land has seen all the videos of the idiot running into the post. Yes, uh, the on the subway. Yes, who, yeah, the guy who punched the horse, who then subsequently got the brains beat in uh, by the cops for that one. Um, but you know, by and large, um, there's not a lot of actual physical violence in the building anymore, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Right. I, I do not say that as a, boy, I, I'm, I'm pining for days gone by when I could see someone get thrown down a flight of stairs. That's, <laughs> that's not my intention at all. Um, but for the most part, um, you're a lot of the bitching and complaining that you're hearing from the Minnesota fan base is pretty pretty lame and i'll give you i'm backing this up with an example great um so the the only thing that i really saw and took objection to so i went with my dad i took my dad both to the divisional game and then the conference championship and uh he was busting the chops of a guy in front of us my dad is 66 years old he is not he is not acting violently towards people yeah literally a senior citizen a senior citizen having a good time yeah, it's pretty innocuous and as innocuous as, say, him probably saying, oh, guys, got to warm up the bus. Can you hear me? I sure can. Okay. You just, uh, my phone was dinging. Sorry, somebody was pulling a Dan Ruddle during Wine Wall and Dragons on me. How does it feel, um, Dan? <laughs> I know. I got my comeuppance, didn't I? Um, but so anyhow, my dad, you know, he... You know, he walked by this kid and he, he razzed him a little bit. And when I say kid, I'm not saying a child. I'm talking about someone who's... 25 you know, years old or something a, like that. An adult, between 25 and 30, I'd say. Sure. Um, and, and he said, you know, he, he, he razzed him a little bit. And then after the half, I mean, I don't know if you watched the whole game, but, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles scored that long touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. With like a minute and 20 left in the, in the second. The Vikings go three and out. And rather than, you know, kneeling on a, a decent half, Dougie P goes and he marches down the field and kicks another field goal, at which point it's 24 to 7. Yeah. And the Eagles are, are cruising. So that happens as the half ends. And I'm going to walk out to go get a beer to use the bathroom to meet up with some friends. And I go out in front of my dad and I'm walking down the steps. And all of a sudden I hear this shouting and jawing from behind me. And I see this kid standing up shouting in my dad's face and cursing at him so i <laughs> run back upstairs <laughs> yeah and told him in no uncertain terms that he could quietly sit down and take his beat punishment like a or punishment and take his uh, ribbing like a man or he could deal with me and the rest of the people in my section nice. in so many words which he turned around and started complaining about it and I said well no one's been violent to you nobody's poured anything on you no one's puked on you no one has hit you or acted violently towards you you're getting your butt, your chops busted you've been handled with kid gloves as far as I'm as I and the rest of the people in this stadium are concerned so basically get the you know what's bug, bug um, off yeah yeah so that was that was about 
it for any kind of tension. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there were some other tales from other sections of the stadium where it was uh, you know, a, a little more probably volatile. Yeah. Some punches may have been thrown, but for the most part, man, the party was on from you know midway through the third quarter after the second long touchdown, the one that he threw on the flea flicker to Torrey Smith, and it, it was a party, man. It was it, it was incredible. It was an unbelievable catch by Smith too. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. So going going to the fact that it ended up being kind of like a, probably an hour and a half party at the end of a long day. Yeah. What, what was the vibe going in? And I mean, I know people were amped up. Clearly, it's a, it's a home game, it's a championship well, game. But I mean, people must have been nervous. Well, yeah. To your point, I mean, what, the last playoff game that they had at home prior to this season was against the Saints, and that was. The primetime game of Wild Card Weekend um, in, oh God, so that would have been January 2014. Okay. So people tailgated all day and were absolutely smoked by the time they were walking in. <laughs> um, I actually have a friend who I will not name, but you've met him. Um, he and one of his buddies went in and his buddy fell asleep and it was so cold out that he his one buddy passed out and had a snotsicle frozen to his nose <laughs> at the end of the game. Um, and he woke up to see the, the end of it. But So I was worried that something like that was going to happen where everybody that's tailgating is going to kind of, you know, blow their wad on the, uh, on the tailgate and, sure. and not be amped up once they get into the stadium. And boy, was I wrong. Um, I, I, with the, the divisional game, we stood up most of the way through the fourth quarter because it was so close. It was a great game, right? I don't, yeah, I think the only time I, my butt even touched my seat was when uh, there was like a TV timeout. The rest of the time, it was everybody was standing the whole time. So great vibe, really good atmosphere. Like I said, not a lot of violence. The only words I exchanged with someone were in response to them getting in my dad's face and I think any anybody would do that and, and, and any man who's, uh, who's who's seeing someone get in their dad's face is going to react the way that I did so for sure uh, I don't feel very bad about it no you shouldn't no you shouldn't so what's <laughs> yeah. what's the uh, you know we, we talked a couple different times since you know Wentz got hurt you and I did the the um NFL playoff teams as Game of Thrones characters podcast three or four weeks ago to start the playoffs yeah. off. A very well well enjoyed show thus far. You and I now have a tradition of breaking down the teams based on different characters. I'd encourage folks who want to... You and I basically were, were kind of right on that both the one seeds, they had many flaws, but they had a shot to get there, and they, they did. So yeah. all good stuff. I mean, what I would, my question, because I meant to ask Dan O'Brien and I didn't, so I'm going to have to turn to you. Clear... I actually, I was going to say clearly, but I don't know the answer, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, and I do want to have a jinx-free podcast for everybody, but sure, you've got a backup quarterback who's 60 minutes away from doing something that nobody's done since Norm Van Brocklin in 1960, right? Um, meaning winning a championship in Philadelphia? Correct, for a football, for a yes. professional football team. Yes, correct. Yep. Is that like, is it going to be like a Jeff Hosteller situation with the Giants where, he, where he's not going to be the starter oh, the next Hostetler year? Hosteller won. No, no, no. Hosteller won the game. I know oh, he did. Oh, oh. But my point is he didn't he didn't remain the Giants starter forever. Sims got to come back. Oh, oh, are you asking if if Wentz is about to get Wally pipped by Nick Foles? Well, I don't think he will. But what happens to what happens to Foles? Like, in, what happens to Foles? He goes somewhere else. What? Well, he's he's under contract through next season. Okay. Um, I think, 
you know, in my mind, this gives you, if you're the Eagles organization, this gives you a lot of, not a lot of options, but it gives you the flexibility to let Wentz actually heal and come back when it's right. Rather That's a good than point. To rush him back for the start of the season. That's a really good point. Um, so that you don't run into like a Ryan Tannehill type situation and he comes back too soon. He blows his knee out in training camp. And, and then you lose him for another year. Yeah, Cutler's your quarterback for a year. And those do tend to be year-plus recoveries. And he got hurt Wentz late in the season. So yeah. really, if, if, like you said, if, he's not to, if he isn't to rush back, that's a good thing. So that's a good answer. Yeah, I mean, the timeline is so sketchy too, though. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of articles like, oh, Wentz's timeline looks really good. And all, the, the idiots writing those stories are writing them based on the fact that Wentz was interviewed at his locker and said he's targeting the first week of the season to come back and play. It's just like the player has no control. Yeah, he's not an orthopedic medical staff. Have control he's not an orthopedic surgeon, and he's yeah, right. Right, he's not Dr. James Andrews and doesn't have a feel for what his knee looks like right now and how long it is out from being fully recovered. Absolutely, so. absolutely. All right, last question because we got to keep it moving, but, but I know, I know you got to get into playoff mode, and I appreciate you taking time. As a professional pundit, you are to talk about what is a very emotional situation in a very level-headed way. What is the plan for the day of the Super Bowl? Where are you guys going? What's going to be eaten? How are we going to do it up? Well, this is a point of um, contention. Um, initially, my wife told me she did not want to be in the same house as me um, because, <laughs> because of the last Super Bowl experience. She, it's not without good reason. Um, she's since um, walked that back a little bit. And so we're going to have my parents over at the house. Um, I do not want to watch the game with casual friends. I don't want to watch the game with people who want to have discussions about how good a commercial was. Yeah. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I, I talked with, uh, I talked with Dan and Larry, they got plans. I understand they can do what they got to do, but, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I've been, my, my dad and my mom are going to come over. Um, my mom is not a rabbit Eagles fan, but my dad of course is. Um, and we're going to, we're going to do some stuff in the crock pot so that it doesn't involve any sort of meal prep uh, yeah, very or, smart. or maintenance during the game. And, you know, BJ's invited. I don't know if he's going to come because he's got a birthday party that's going on or something uh, with his family. But, you know, it, whoever would like to come can come, and hopefully I'll be seeing him on Broad Street regardless at the end of the game at about right. 10.30. Right, exactly. So I think that's smart. The one thing I've learned – and being being incredibly fortunate to be able to watch a lot of games that my team was playing in, and I've obviously seen them. I've seen them win five. I've seen them lose four over my lifetime. I mean, but you don't want to be in a place with people who don't care about one of the two teams, if at all possible. You, you want to be with people who give a crap or by yourself, and that's it. And, and, and who give a crap in the same way that I do if possible so correct I, I think I think my mom and, and my wife and Molly uh, and my in-laws if they come will probably watch it upstairs in our in our living room yeah and, and you'll be in the stallion with your dad yeah, yeah me and my dad and any of the gents who uh, aren't going to judge me for jumping and yelling and I, I've made it I've, I, I've, I've promised I'm not going to scream at any curse words or anything like that but um should they somehow pull this off, I have promised my wife that I will cry like a little girl and run out the door out to Broad Street, and I will make no apologies for it. So That's fair. Uh, I'll tell you what. 
the story that Roscoe P. and I are going to tell uh, later on in this podcast will be me telling my version of that from back in the day. So I, I, I can say that you, if, if, you, if you're already calling your shot that you're going to do that, you will if that's what happens. And that's, and that's great. You know, like, yeah. don't, don't call me for a month either, but, like, I'll be glad to hear about it, like, you know, in March or something. Um, cool, man. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. I hope you have a very, very fun media week. Um, and you know we'll we'll talk soon, brother. But I appreciate you being on the pod as always. We should submit this for Media Week. See if we can somehow get it into a peripheral, uh, you know, <laughs> two-sided. Uh, I'm telling podcast. you, pound for pound for pound, no punditry on any podcast in America has more hardcore Pats and or Eagles fans who are regular guests on the show. So if if we can't talk about this Super Bowl, when can we talk about the Super Bowl? Right. Very true. Very true. All right, brother, stick around for one second. I'm going to hit stop here. Everybody else coming up next, Dougie Brown, who is also in Philadelphia, but rooting for the Pats. That's going to be an interesting one. behind enemy lines. (laughs) In the belly of the beast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we were going to have a balanced podcast, so it's time to bring in some Pats fans, some Pats pundit experts. We're going to start with the man who last year in Miami during Super Bowl 51, he was the only one besides – the dude from Barstool Sports and the Patriots team who believe they can come back from 28-3 to and win the Super Bowl. Doug Brown, my cousin. What's up, Doug? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and congrats to you and Bridget on the birth of your son, your first child, Theo. Congrats again. We appreciate another Freestyle member added to the populace. Yeah, thank you very much. And there's a lot on the stake, uh, a lot on the lines for uh, him for his, uh, you know, deciding who he's going to be a fan of for the Super Bowl. So that's right. Also very well. He was he was born in Philadelphia. His mother and his mother's family is from Philadelphia. Actually, if Bruce or Flint had to say it, they're not from Philly. They're from Drexel Hill. But <laughs> Drexel Hill is a suburb of Philly. And by the way, Bruce is a huge Eagles fan. So shout out to Bruce or Flint. Um, so. You are going to have to watch this Super Bowl in Philadelphia as one of the biggest Patriots fans, one of the most loyal Patriots fans, I know, and we're going to get to that. But we're going to go all the way back to Super Bowl 39, which was Patriots versus Eagles Part 1. You were, I believe, probably in college, and you had to watch this game sum up behind enemy lines then. So why don't you tell us about that first? Yeah, essentially since, you know, basically any time since high school, I've basically lived outside of Massachusetts though for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, especially going to college in Baltimore, a lot of my good friends were all people from Philadelphia. So, you know, for the Super Bowl, trying to get together, trying to watch with friends rather than just going and, you know, see New England people, we figure, you know, everyone here seems pretty passionate about the game, but, you know, we're all good friends. So, like, this is going to be a good experience. <laughs> Worst case scenario, you know, you get, we're going to have a good time, have some brews, and then... Regardless of who wins, you know, at least it's going to be a party. Right. So I grossly underestimated the sort of savages that Philly sports fans come, especially when it comes to Eagles, and especially <laughs> when it comes to getting a championship. Yeah. And I, I, I'm correct, this is also pre Philadelphia Phillies championship. It is. So, I mean, so they were there in drought. Was a serious drought going on. Yes. Um, and, you know, Boston's had a drought before, but uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess I was far enough away from South Boston, and South Boston didn't, you know, 
get into everything the same way that South Philly gets into every person within a yeah. hundred mile radius of Philadelphia. Just really gets in there and grabs a hold. Right. But uh, as we're going to watch this game, you know, I think I, I, I will say I probably went a little bit over. I might have started throwing up the Jay-Z Rockefeller dynasty sign. Right. Well, it was and, the four, it was the third championship in four years back in the day. So exactly. you were feeling you were feeling good about yourself. Back to back titles at the time. Yes. And this is the first time uh, I had a female grab me by the throat and tell me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> then followed by a male. Again, two of my really good friends. But you know what? That's when I quickly realized. Um, Apparently, you bleed Philly green regardless of what your friendships are at that time. And that was the, you know, that, that has sort of uh, informed my decision on how I plan to watch this Super Bowl this year. With right. my Eagles fan wife and all that kind of stuff. So. so let's get into your Eagles fan wife for a minute. Those <laughs> listening would know her as sometimes pundit Bridget Hanahan Brown. So I seem to remember going to South Beach with her last year, and you know I understand that she's not a Patriots fan like, say, you or me, but she seemed pretty comfortable and assimilated up there in Boston rooting for uh, the Patriots to win that game. Was that all a ruse, or is she just, now that she's back in Philly, she's just letting the, the green blood flow back into her veins? What's going on there? Uh, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's twofold. I think, you know, one, just the sheer, I mean, the sheer, electricity around the Eagles here this year is wild. I mean, I will say, um, you know, being around Boston the last couple of years, and I'm a huge Pats fan, I love it, there's that electricity between, like, me, you, our cousins, stuff like that. But in general, it's kind of like this done there, done that thing. Okay. And in general, I will say it is sort of, um, you know, it's sort of a bit of invigorating thing to have people who are this excited about, you know, sport teams. So I think a little bit of that has also come back in and that's good kind of drive. And I also think another part is, um, you know, she's one of these things where it's we're happy to refer on teams, especially until they're playing one another, and then it becomes a bit of an issue. Sure. And that's so, going to be tough. Now, even, behind, even this season, it was fun. I mean, you know, it was fun to be in the city where people were excited by Carson Wentz and stuff like that. But, I mean, that quickly all went out of the window upon them beating the Vikings. So Right, Exactly. And, and I'll tell you, no, nobody's less happy to be hosting the Super Bowl than Vikings fans uh, after that thrashing two weeks ago, week and a half ago, in Philly. And, and oh, by the way, the team they have to root for because they hate the Eagles is the team everybody hates, the Patriots. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I think Minnesota might explode. Well, I've seen some good stories about people signing up for Uber in order to take Eagles fans to the wrong place, which I found quite, quite funny. I'll tell you what, if, if you don't know how to find the football stadium and your Uber driver takes you to the wrong part of Minneapolis, St. Paul, that's on you. Uh, but as Dan O'Brien and I were talking about earlier, people get pretty liquored up on things like Red Bull and vodka at playoff and Super Bowl-type games. So they will take any ride they can get regardless of whether it's going to the right place or not. Uh, you know, and they get the poor guys running into subway poles down there, and it's, you know, down South Philly in the subway. So... Um, so so I will say one, one thing about the subway poll just before we go further is it is funny to see the, uh, the videos that let's say Barstool Sports or let's say Boston Sports uh, talk radio talk about and in a negative light and then versus the you know 11 o'clock news here in Philadelphia talking about you know everyone's uh, I guess flyered up isn't the right term but you know like and there's a dune buggy going up the steps I guess everyone's pumped up <laughs> like oh, oh so they're really they're really spinning the news 
Yeah, they're really spinning the news to be positive. Like somebody's vandalizing, somebody's vandalizing the art museum steps in a dune buggy. Go Eagles! <laughs> exactly. So you're watching this thing in the belly of the beast. You're not letting any in-laws come over. You're going to be watching it with your wife, who's obviously going to be pulling for the birds overall. I think Definitely. it's okay. We've been in we've been in hostile situations before, including last year. It wasn't all pictures of beer and caviar dreams down there at Monty's Sunset <laughs> in South Beach. A lot of Broncos fans, a lot of Dolphins fans, a lot of Steelers fans rooting hard against the Pats, feeling pretty good about taunting us at our picnic table uh, when it was 28-3. None of them stuck around for the overtime victory. But do you think that in any way prepped you for watching this game in Philadelphia, or is it completely apples and oranges? I mean, I think it's a bit of a – it's definitely apples and oranges here just because, you know, that that trip – while I did believe firmly we were going to win that game and held out all hope just because of the fact that it was sort of destiny. You know, the first time I've done anything, I've never been to the Super Bowl. Who knows if I ever will make it to the Super Bowl. So in my mind, that was sort of my... Uh, Your trip. That was when I was going to block all out. Yeah, you know, it was all of us down there having a good time. And um, I figured just the universe was not going to allow our trip for all of us where we travel to a great place to be ruined by something like a Patriots loss. And that's the reason I held out hope. A little bit different here. I still think we're definitely going to win this game. Uh, but I don't think... At the end of the day, I'm watching this on my couch. And at the end of the day, uh, I guess the only thing the universe may be saying is that we have put a bet on whoever whoever wins this game, uh, our son Theo, will have to be a fan of that team. So Wow. So you're talking about lifelong fandom for your infant son. It's on the line. That's a heavy that's a heavy take guy. I know. Do you get the odds? Like I'm betting over. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I was gonna say, do you get the odds? Like do the Pats have to cover or they just have to win outright? No, it's because that would really suck if the Pats win and you're elated, but then because they didn't cover. Because you know they, the only time they ever covered was last year when they went to the first ever overtime Super Bowl. So they probably won't cover again. Uh, you know, and so that would really stink if they won the game, but your son had to be an Eagles fan because of the spread. Anyway. Uh, well, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this because she may use that against us. I don't think she can. If you guys didn't agree to it at the beginning of the bet, then it's all good. Uh, that's a filibuster freestyle arbitration hearing right there. Boom. Filibusterfreestyle.com. You can find us, and you can get an arbitration from me, your buddy Gavin, for free. <laughs> let's yeah, all right. Let's talk about, you know, clearly you were the, the voice of positivity at Super Bowl 51 in Florida. Uh, and by the way, the game wasn't there. We were. Uh, and, of course, my brother Alex, the aviator, was the, the voice of dissent. And, uh, you know, they were down like 7 to nothing, and he thought they were gonna, Pats were going to lose. So... Um, we don't need to belabor that, but Super Bowl 49 at Austin's house, Austin and Talia's house, that was our Super Bowl where a bunch of Patriots fans watched the game at a Giants fan in his wife's house. And she's a Pats fan. But one, it's weird watching a game in the home of a guy whose team owns you in the Super Bowl, the New York Giants. But, but the best part was that you again remained very positive, and my brother was again negative, and you guys almost got into a fight in the living room, <laughs> which is fine. But do you think? Do you think that we missed out last year in that we didn't get to get video of me dancing to me and Tom Brady getting 
Drinks at the Club Part 2. I will say if we could have uh, got that going through the speakers at the, uh, at the Harborside Bar, that would have been amazing. But yeah, we were robbed at least of... Um, a little bit there. I would have jumped. I would have jumped in that pool that everybody didn't want to go into. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we wouldn't be talking this year due to the uh, hepatitis you would have gotten. Correct. Place. You do not want to fall into that pool in South Beach at Monty Sunset. Though unofficial sponsor mm-hmm. of the week, go there. I think we drank seventeen pitches of beer between the six of us. Uh, thankfully, Bridget was not pregnant at the time. <laughs> 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 or Theo might have four heads. Anyway, uh, but we're glad he has one. Um, so, dude, any hot takes on the game or any thoughts or any hot takes from Philly Sports Radio? Any uh, fun sound effects going on down there on the Tony, the Tony uh, Luke show or whatever the hell it's called? Uh, no, I have By the way, Tony Luke's the sub is a, is a, is a, is a yeah, hoagie shop. My bad. Well, 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 Philadelphia was the place where I did, where, where my, um, you know, seed for, was planted for the love of sports talk radio and has just blossomed as I've become accustomed to, you know, better luck, sports talk radio through Boston, I have not dipped back into the, uh, you know, WIPs, the you know, WFANs of the world, uh, trying to stay away from much as, um, you know, Joey Gobblegold's hot take and, and, you know, big walk of the week and uh, stick with a little bit of the lighter stuff that we get up in Boston. Yeah, a little touch and I will say. <laughs> a little touch and rich action. Uh, you're That's one of the right. diehard touch and rich fans. Which is good because apparently Tom Brady's not going to do interviews with EEI anymore because some guy made fun no. of his daughter. Yeah, called, it's a family-friendly family podcast, so I don't think you can say what she was called. But uh, anyways, you know, I think in general, um, hot takes for this. I am slightly worried about the overall productivity of the city of Philadelphia, whether they win or lose, because I truly believe the people, I don't know, you've talked to the, the two Dan's, you know, I've heard certain people say cautiously optimistic, but I, the more I've heard and talked to people, I think people actually believe this is the time. You know, it's sort of destiny. Carson Wentz bent down, Nick Foles stood up. Um, I, I personally don't believe that, just because I think, you know, I'm the consummate optimist for the Patriots, but that's also because it's sort of a proven team. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I think that in general, people are going to be, yeah. I, I do I think you're right. I, up for a couple of, weeks. of the people I've talked to today, uh, the Philadelphia fans, and I don't be, I don't blame them for this at all because if they were to win the Super Bowl, they haven't done it ever, and they haven't won a championship at all in the NFL since 1960. Um, I had two men who were 40 years old tell me that they were going to cry uh, openly, that they've already called their shots to their wives, that they're going to cry openly. And one of those two men said he was going to run down Broad Street with whoever else was out there. So um, no one's going to work Monday. No one's going to work Monday in Philadelphia either way. And more importantly, for gosh sakes, America, can we get the Super Bowl Monday as a holiday? Por favor, please, see vous play. I'll say it in any language I need to. It should be a holiday. It's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, man, I, I would say this. I'm about to talk to Roscoe P about the time that he gave me a Bill Goldberg spear on Florence Street in Worcester after I did jumping jacks uh, after Super Bowl 36, which was the Patriots' first one. Uh, here's a hot take for you. Uh, the Super Bowl, so that the Patriots won in their third try, right? 
And I think I've heard some Eagles fans start saying, well, this will be their third try. Uh, the backup quarterback thing is not lost on people because, you know, in theory, Tom Brady's backup quarterback to start. So I do. I think people, I think you got both sides who are very weary of the other and very weary of fate because obviously the Eagles have had a, a, a star crossed existence and the Patriots, even in the Brady era, I mean, losing on the helmet catch. Mm-hmm. Undefeated season. But I would say this if it wasn't for that undefeated season getting ruined, I don't think Brady would still be playing today. I think. That it, it all that has always left him with something to prove. Even when they were eighteen and zero, they lost, and people were still saying he wasn't better than Peyton Manning. And I think that got him in. Then he blew his knee out, which sucked. But between not going undefeated and then losing a season, he got into whatever this Tom versus Times TB twelve stuff he's doing. And frankly, he's forty years old. He's playing pretty well. So. I don't think we, the Patriots fans, would have gotten Super Bowl 49 experience, Super Bowl 51 experience, and now whatever the experience is in 52 if the Pats won Super Bowl 42 and went undefeated. So uh, a lot of karma on the line. I'm not even going to go into it, but we're going to see what happens, man. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I hope your son gets to be a Patriots fan, buddy, because I'll like him a lot more if he is. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Well, either way, stick around for a minute. We'll catch you up. And uh, coming up next, for those of you listening, from Drilling Threes, the great Roscoe P. Doug, thanks for being on, buddy. Okay, last but certainly not least, I've been teasing it the whole night. In the hoodie from the Pioneer Valley of Massachusetts, the man that I watched the first Patriots victory Super Bowl with. From Drilling Threes, Roscoe P., what is up, my man? Well, I have to have the hoodie in honor of Bill Belichick. I have to wear the Boom. Or anything, but I have to put Boom. And, and it's freezing in my house right now, and I just don't want to turn the heat up. I'm sick of putting the heat on. It's, you know. Yeah. Why? Why use Why use the heat in January in New England when you can just wear a sweatshirt? That makes that's total right. sense. That's right. It's cold in Western Massachusetts tonight. Oh, that's okay. Um. So you're up in New England. You're up there full time, obviously. Everybody that I've talked to tonight is in Philadelphia, including Patriots fan, optimist of all time, my cousin Doug Brown. So. You're the only one I'm talking to who's up there. I guess before we get into some tales from Super Bowl's past, what's the general mood up there right now? How are people feeling? Well, um, <clears throat> I feel like generally people are a little overconfident. They are? Okay. Uh, I, I think a lot of people think the, the Pats have this in the bag. I disagree. I mean, I, I, as a huge lifelong Patriots fan, of course, I think they're going to win, but I don't think it's going to be any kind of a, a pushover. But the, the news today um, is the is the Tom Brady WEEI yeah. situation. Has that been discussed yet? On Just your- very briefly, Doug and I mentioned that he cut his interview short on EEI because one of their other hosts talked smack about his daughter from his, right, Facebook, from his yeah. Facebook commercial. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of the big story of, of today. So that's what, that's what people were talking about, which, you know, who cares? But oh, and the other thing, the the two bills, the thirty for thirty, the two bills yes. on Thursday night. Yeah, so people are excited about that. So really quickly on that, that's a good good thing to bring up. So they were teasing that like in the middle of the NFL season. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Right around Christmas, I'm like, I wonder if it's out because I figured it was the holidays towards the end of the season, and all it kept saying was winter 2018. <laughs> Because yeah. they, they basically probably were wor- worried about when can we milk this thing the most people will watch it. So the fact that they're going to put it out three days before the Super Bowl is played, one, genius, two, must-see TV, and three, I am fascinated. Me too. Can't wait. Fascinated. 
Uh, I think it's going to be great. Uh, Me too. Uh, the, the early reports from some of the media people who've seen it early have all said it's great. It can't not be, right? I mean, yeah. and let's not forget forget to give Bill Parcells a little tip of the cap. Uh, you know, hey, Andrew Bledsoe, and of course, you know, Bob Kraft. I mean, the, the Patriots were going to move to St. Louis right, right around 1992. Right. And Bob Kraft stepped in, hired a real coach, drafted a real quarterback. Actually, funny fact, uh, do you remember how Drew Bledsoe was the number one pick, but number two was Rick Myrer? And that was kind of like the original Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning debate. Now, Meyer didn't have as bad of a career as Ryan Leaf, but... Or as bad of a life. Right. But Bledsoe definitely was the clear choice, as was Peyton Manning. But it made me remember that at Doug Shea's wedding back in the day, which I went to with our man Andrew Patterson and our buddy Levente, uh uh, there was a little boy at the reception in Maine, the state of Maine, by the way. And the year was 2006. In a, not, in a Rick Myrer Chicago Bears youth jersey. Wow. How many levels is your mind blown? One, Rick Myrer played for the Bears in the 90s, not the 2000s. Number two, we're in Maine. Number three, it's a youth size. Number four, we're at a wedding reception. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wear a tuxedo t-shirt for God's sakes. Yeah, I like the party. Those are all amazing things. I would not even known that Rick Meyer played for the Bears. He was drafted by the Seahawks, wasn't he? Was yes. The him? only reason I remember that he played for the Bears is because I attended Doug Shea's wedding 10 years later. Right. This is our concern, dude. It's an amazing, <laughs> amazing story. And the best part is I'm in a staff meeting, and we're talking about Drew Bledsoe, and someone was like, who did he get picked ahead of? And I, and I told my whole, whole entire staff at work that whole story. Oh, wow. And they all know about Doug Shea now. <laughs> and I'm so happy... That we got to mention Drew Bledsoe. I was going to mention Drew Bledsoe, who's and he's not forgotten. Like he's he was the honorary captain. Yes. Of the championship game yes. last week, and and you know he gets a huge pop every time he comes back. That you know he's he is still beloved in in, yeah. uh, in New England. I do think though he gets turned into a punchline too much because like yeah. it, it's like he was this joke of a quarterback, and then the good quarterback came in. Like Drew Bledsoe was awesome. Yeah. He just wasn't the best of all time. Right. Like, neither is anybody else. Like, Tom Brady is better than every other quarterback, including Drew Bledsoe. Right, but, right. You know, but that doesn't mean Drew Bledsoe wasn't awesome. He was incredibly awesome. I mean, yeah. he saved football. He helped save football in New England. He football in New England. Brought the Patriots to a Super Bowl, which not, they didn't win, but he brought them to the you know, early loss to the Packers in 97. Yeah, that's right. Super Bowl, Super Bowl 31. And then he actually, and I think many Pats fans will remember this, but Brady went down in the AFC yes. title game in Pittsburgh, and Bledsoe came yeah. in. I think I was watching the game with you. Fired a touchdown pass. Fired a touchdown pass. Led the team. Lied when that happened. <laughs> led the team, led the team yeah. to victory, you know? So, yeah. so anyway, Drew Bledsoe, shout out. And, and this is actually good because he led the Pats in relief to their third Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36, against the greatest show on turf, the Rams. You and I watched it together at the great 70 Florence Street, third floor apartment in Worcester. Yes. Where I was living at the time, where many of our friends lived for many years in college, with Marcos, a.k.a. Marky Sal, with Bernard Graham Young, <laughs> and T. Diddy run the city. T. Diddy run the city, tell us, Saldana. So... And we had a big crowd there, and it was all Pats fans, and that's the way it should be. The one thing, the one thing that every guest has talked about tonight, and before we leave, I want to know where you're watching the game, but is they are all watching the game at home, and they're all watching the game around people who give a crap about the outcome of the game, and preferably they all want the same outcome that they do, right? 
Only way to watch a Super Bowl. If we've learned nothing over this incredibly great run of Patriots success, it's that winning or losing a Super Bowl really sucks when someone there, there, there feels differently about the result. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Super Bowl 36, I just remember there was like, I don't think Buffalo chicken dip had been invented yet, but I feel like there was like a, <laughs> a four cheese layer dip. There was a lot of Tostitos. Tons yeah. of BL Smooths, a.k.a. the Blizzards, a.k.a. Bud Light, to the layperson. Yeah. Um, and all I know is this, and you can help me with this. The Pats jumped out to, like, at least a 14 nothing lead or something crazy, right? Or, like, it was, like, 14-3 to at halftime or something? Uh, I mean, yeah, if you say so. I, I, I actually don't remember um, much of the game, really. I remember, like, more – here's what I remember. Okay. It was you just you kind of have to think of it in the context of the whole season that that the Patriots had this amazing season. Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. I believe it was the third game of the year. Yeah, they were like one and the two. Second or third game. Yeah, I think after that game they were one and two. Correct. And I remember telling someone I didn't think they'd win another game for like six more weeks because right. it's like you know who's this Tom Brady guy? <laughs> um, right. And then nobody nobody knew, and uh, <clears throat> so. Then they had this amazing season. They kept winning all these games, and it's like, oh, my God, they're going to make the playoffs, and they made the playoffs. It's like, well, remember when a playoff game, then they win two playoff games, three playoff games. Now they're, you know, now they're in the Super Bowl. So they're playing, finally get to the Super Bowl, and it's the Rams, right? It's the greatest show on turf. They have no chance to win this game. No chance. And what I remember thinking that it was going to be a blowout, like, this is fun. It's nice that they made it. Right. um, But they're just going to get blown out. You know, everyone's getting blown out by the Rams. So So my recollection was that, Early on, and maybe they were even winning at halftime. I don't even remember that, but they weren't getting blown out. Not at like, all. I feel like the first quarter ended, and it was at least close, and maybe they were winning, and it was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. We, you know, we didn't get blown out by the Rams. Like, it's, you know, maybe there's a chance here. So I, I remember that. I don't remember a lot of specifics. I remember, like, Willie McGinnis just popping Marshall Falk in the mouth a bunch of times every time he tried to run out of the backfield. Yep. Um, and I remember the last drive, and of course the, the play to win the game, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But um, if you tell me they were winning 14-3 at halftime, I'm more than willing to believe that. Well, guess uh, what? The crack research team, while you were just talking, went and looked it up on Wikipedia, which means it must be almost true. Has to be true. And the score at the end of the first quarter was three to nothing Rams. So to your point, okay. so yeah, it was close, right? Close game, greatest show on turf, three points. Patriots scored 14 points in the second quarter. Halftime score, 14 to 3. Then they went up 20 to 3 at the end of the third quarter. And I believe it was, this is the, the crux of my thesis tonight. Because this is one of the times when I learned that if you're going to run your mouth and say you're going to do something stupid, and the, thing, <laughs> and the thing that you want to happen, happen happens, you gotta you gotta walk the walk and you gotta do the stupid thing you said you were gonna do. So that's a lesson to all the kids out there. That be be prepared if you want karma to smile on you to do the dumb thing you said you'd do. So I said, and this was me oh, wait, like you, you haven't told the story yet? No, this is me at twenty This is me, I've teased it. I've said that I was tackled on the street by you at the end of whatever I did, but I didn't tell anybody what it was yet. Okay. But what I said, and I believe it was either at halftime or the end of the third quarter was if the Patriots hold on to win this thing, I'm going to do 10 naked jumping jacks on Florence Street immediately after the game ends. Yes, that's what he said. (laughs) And despite the inebriation level of everybody in the room, including me, everybody started talking to me about, hey, Gavo, (laughs) 
You better do it if they win. <laughs> so, and believe me, because then the Rams won and didn't win. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. Must have been 17, right? Well, no, we, well, right. well, no, it was it was 17 to three, and then they scored 14 points. Oh, it was 17 to three. I thought you said it was 20 to three. No, it's my bad. It was, it was 17 to three. Okay. We went up 17 to three. They tied it at 17 apiece, and we'll okay. we'll get into that a little bit. But anyway, do you remember the tie law like fumble or pickoff that they called back? Because that was BS. Yes. That was still, and this was before the Red Sox won. This was the first New England championship since the 86 Celtics. The first of, like, our adult lives by far. Right. And all of us thought when they called that back, there's no way we're going to be able to hold on without Don't. that extra six, seven points. Yeah. Which is when I was feeling pretty good about not doing jumping jacks on Florence Street. Wasn't that a pick six, the tie law play? Pick six, the yes. Pick six, yeah. So it basically was the Patriots putting – you know, the, the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Right, right. And then it gets called back on a hold on the other side of the field or something like that. Okay. So anyway, um, we, we continue to, shot, to shotgun nachos down our throats. We continue to sip ever so gently on beers, not drinking them quickly at all. I was sipping nothing gently. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, um, and then we get, we get to the end of the game. And John Madden... Who at the time was not just a video game guy, but also called the game for real. He's actually a guy who had a job. Yeah. He literally said, you know, you got a rookie quarterback, a backup quarterback, Tom Brady. You got like a minute left or whatever it was, a minute 30 left. You probably should just run the clock out and play for overtime. Right. And instead, the Patriots dynasty was born. J.R. Redmond, ladies and gentlemen. J. The great J.R. Redmond. J.R. Redmond. This is and fans. This is why. This is why I, I hype this podcast up as real Patriots and real Eagles fans talking real hardcore football stuff. If you thought someone was going to bring up J.R. Redmond when I started this pod, <laughs> you're a crazy person or you're Roscoe P. Because he brought yeah. it up. We go deep on the podcast, baby. It was J.R. Redmond, right? It was. Was it Patrick Pass or J.R. Redmond? I think it was J.R. Redmond. I think Patrick Pass factored in bigger than next, the next Super Bowl, maybe. But anyway. Oh, that was the next Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm getting it all mixed up. It was so long ago. But It was so long ago. And we were, you know, and we were drinking by lights. And so anyway, did you, do you remember the last drive at all or not really? Yeah, it was J.R. Redmond, right? Yeah, okay. He kept, he kept digging the ball. He kept throwing like three-yard passes to J.R. Redmond. And it kept working. And kept getting first downs. And then Adam Vinatieri, honest, are arguably the greatest kicker of all time, Yes, yeah. Certainly probably the most clutch kicker of all time. Yeah. Puts one right down the middle. And by the way, moment. that is when I actually I can remember having irrational confidence because he hit that suit that, that one in the snow the tuck rule game against the Raiders right. three weeks Two. earlier. Two of them in the snow, in a blizzard. And I'm like, if that dude can make those, he's gonna make a kick in the superdome. Yeah, right. So I was already getting my I was already getting my shoes untied. Yeah. Because I had a feeling I was going on. You have to be naked in the middle of Warwick Street now. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, Patriots win the game. And all I remember is I just knew what I had to do. I never ran so fast down those stairs in my life. <laughs> I have no idea how. I think I was just throwing like my, my shirt on the lawn. Like I think I threw my pants around a car or whatever. So yeah. I, start, I start doing the jumping jacks. <laughs> And the way I remember it, 
was everybody rushed to our, our deck, our balcony, to watch me do them like from above, right? Okay. And I think you were up there too when I started the first one. <laughs> and everybody was counting one, two, <laughs> and I was at nine and a half. And I'll let Roscoe P take it from here. <laughs> Is that was I did I start on the how did I get down there then? I think you just beelined it. I think you were like, I'm gonna tackle this guy when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't <laughs> I, I don't think I, I think I may have gone down Oh maybe you did it. Maybe that's how I want to remember it. But so anyway people I think there were people on the balcony. But I remember, like, some people there came was downstairs. The house we were in, and there was another house, like two doors down. Oh yeah, our friends there too. That's right. And we all like, running in the streets. Still in yeah, like everybody ended up in the street after the game. I right. remember that, or, like right. on the sidewalk. So I think I ran outside with you, but there were people up on the deck. Yeah. And but, then, yeah, I don't know what made me do it, but um, <clears throat> for the listeners out there, if you're familiar with uh, <laughs> with Goldberg. Who I just saw is being inducted into the Hall of, WWE Hall of Fame this year. Yes. Okay. So wrestler Bill Goldberg. Wrestler Bill Goldberg was famous for a move called the spear, which is just basically you just run wicked fast at a guy and dive and lay your shoulder into his midsection and just drop him. Right. So, so <laughs> um, I did that. Yeah. Uh, so so I got to. I literally. I think I got to nine and a half. I saw you coming. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe I can at least put my boxer shorts back on. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But next thing I know, my back is on is literally on Florence Street. Yeah. It's February second, two thousand two. Oh, it's cold. It's February. 2nd, it's freezing out. We're in our early twenties, so we're invincible. Invincible. And uh, next thing I know, about five minutes later, cop car comes by. And everybody's like dancing on the cop car. I was not doing that. Neither were you. Yeah, nobody cared. Like the cops came by. Cops were down. Care. Everybody was just yeah. down. Everybody's like down. And the one thing that I've talked to with our Eagles fans tonight is the level of excitement in their city right now. And it's been an Eagles town thick and thin for years, but they haven't had that moment yet. That yeah. that breakthrough moment. Now they, you know, they had the Phillies, but. Everybody in Philly when I was living there was like, yeah, this is amazing and we really needed a title. It had been 25 years at the time, but, I mean, this isn't our real title. We still need an Eagles title. So, obviously, we don't. We hope it's not this week, but uh, I think you're going to get a lot of cops who don't care about their cars getting danced on if, if the birds are, are, are able to prevail. But the next thing I remember, we decided it's a Sunday night. And I had to go to work the next day because this was before yeah. I didn't know anything about Super Bowls. Like, like I didn't expect us to win. So, right. so now, for instance, I don't go to work on the Monday after the Super Bowl. The Patriots are playing. I just don't do it. I've elected a holiday, even though the government won't give us one on Super Bowl Monday. Hmm. It should be a floating holiday. Like, if you don't, if you're not down with Columbus because he, you know, wasn't very nice to indigenous people. Don't take Columbus Day. Get a floating holiday, Super Bowl Monday. Take Super Bowl Monday, yeah. And, you know, if you're on the other side of the fence about Columbus, that's your business, you can take Columbus Day. Right. It's up to you. But, like, we should all get the pick between the two days. Right. I I think Columbus Day is the safest one to, like, go after and say, I can pick another one. Well, because I know we don't get into such topics on your show, but that really shouldn't be a holiday. And there's a lot of people who agree with you. <laughs> but, but anyway. <laughs> but let's talk about football. Yeah. Next thing I remember, and by the way, football talks over, because then 
I think I was like, I'll stay here, but I can't go out. And somebody was like, are you kidding me? The Patriots just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. We're going out. So we went to On the Rocks, which is a yeah. bar in Worcester that pretended it was a club, but it was a dive bar. It was not a club. It was a bar. And we went and listened to techno music until like what it felt like six in the morning. Yeah. Anyway, I had to be at work in two hours. And so my then girlfriend, Abby Babberbabs, <laughs> calls Millbury High School and says that she's my sister. P.S. Spoiler alert. Don't have one. <laughs> And that Gavin has food poisoning. He can't come in today. I go to work on Tuesday and everybody's like, you had food poisoning? And I'm like, yeah, I think it was them chicken wings. <laughs> I didn't, like, I didn't budge from the story. And the best part is right. there, was, there was no Facebook. There were no video cameras. Right. So there was no proof that I wasn't food poisoned. No one took pictures of it. No one took a video of you doing naked jumping jacks in the street. Also... We, I did and still do have a disposable camera from that day that I've never developed a film on. Oh, wow. From 2002. Oh, wow. So it's possible there are pictures of some of this. Right, but, but because we went to college and stuff when we did, uh-huh. we do not have to be subject to the same uh, rigors as those who go to college today, which someone's filming every move and most of your moves aren't right. smart. And thank God, it was so much better before everybody was doing all this nonsense. Right, because believe me, and I, I hopefully won't get myself in trouble for any of the to- tales that I just told, but I was a younger man, a dumber man, and I was living in an analog world, and the Pats won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and there's also no proof. Like, you could just be making this whole thing up. Correct, like, which is the case. And I was there, and I didn't <laughs> want to see it, but, but there's no proof. Like, there's no video of it. Right. Like, if you if you were about to get in trouble for this, you could just be like, oh, yeah, I made it up. That never happened. Right. Like, no one could. No one can prove that you that you that it did. And I'd be like, and Roscoe Pete's a pathological liar, so yeah, sure. you can't believe a word he says. Right, exactly. But it was fantastic. And and I, I think I was with you with Super Bowl thirty eight as well, which is when the the Panthers game. Okay. Uh, I remember being at like Jenna Booten's house. Shout out to my friend Jenna Booten from uh, Maine. Not a Rick Myra fan. Uh and then I remember, I don't know if you were with me, but at Super Bowl 39, I was at Mike Brown and Trevor Thompson's house in Natick. Wow. And, that was uh, the Eagles. That was the last time. That was the last time they played the Eagles. So yeah. that was interesting. And what I learned is don't watch the Super Bowl with my cousin Mike Viano because those were the two giant Super Bowls. And uh, so he and I don't watch the Super Bowl together anymore. Anything you've learned over the years about like what you're going to do? What are you doing for this Super Bowl? What's the plan, Roscoe P.? I don't know. Well, one major difference for me from, like, the night that we just talked about to now is that my job has changed. Yeah, for sure. It's gotten, um, it's just a busy time of year for me. Yeah. So, like, I don't really, and and honestly, like, Sunday feels like it might as well be six months from now. Right, you get so much to do between now and then. Yeah, between now and Sunday, right. Like, I'm really not even thinking about it. I have no idea what I'm going to watch. Um, last year I watched at home by myself and almost shut it off at halftime because yeah. I was so upset because they were playing so bad and you know thank God I didn't um, <clears throat> so I don't know another thing too is for me um, because I actually care about the game right and care about one of the teams in it I actually want to watch the game yeah and if I'm out like at a party or certainly at a bar people are gonna talk to me. And then it's like, I can't watch the game. Like, I actually do, I don't just care about the event of the Super Bowl. Right. I actually do want to watch this football game and concentrate on it and see what's happening. 
Um, so I don't necessarily mind so much if I don't end up doing anything, but I have no idea. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same boat. Uh, my my plan is we got uh, filibuster freestyle pundit Cindy Harrington coming down for the occasion. Oh, wonderful! She's a huge Patriots fan. Uh, she will do what you just said, which is be very into the game, be very much concentrating on the outcome and how how the, the you know how it all shakes out. And uh, that'll be one more person that I watched the AFC Championship with because uh, I watched that one with. Uh, great vengeance and furious anger. For a long, <laughs> to quote, to quote Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> from Pulp Fiction, uh, you know. And I may or may not have worn a shirt for the second half of that game, but I do get hot. Uh, I run hot, as people know who know me. And it's the playoffs. It's the playoffs, and I was by myself. So, yeah. if anything, over you know an eight, 17, 18 year period of time here, you know. I, I make sure that if I'm not if I'm gonna have to require if watching the game requires not wearing a shirt I'm gonna do it in private not on Florida Street that's a lesson learned too. That's fair. I just remember I think about that night. I just remember the joy. Like Unbelievable joy. With the eagle. yeah, it's just it was like I remember I called my parents. Like I was so happy I called my parents. Yeah, but your dad's a huge Pats fan. I mean, I don't know how yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know what my your mom is too. Okay, we, cool. We both are. But I remember, like, like uh, our friend John Kennedy was there, and he called his mother and put me on the phone with his mother. Yeah. I don't even really know that well. So, uh, we're like, I, we're like talking to each other's parents. We were so happy that this happened. Yeah, it and was. I remember when we were at the bar, we we're just like total strangers, just hugging each other. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was. Um... You know, and it was great because it, it, it was the first one. I mean, again, like... It was the first one. The Celtics, like, I was six years old, and I don't even remember it. And then I remember them losing... My first, like, real sports memories ever, like, when I actually cared, were the Pats losing in Super Bowl yeah. twenty, yeah, and the that. Celtics losing in 87, and the, Sox losing, and the Sox losing in 86. Yeah. And then it took 15 years for somebody to, like, make us feel the exact opposite. Right. In which you... Yeah. And everybody forgets, like, yeah, there's been a ton of success since then, and people get it's really annoying for the same fan base to to, to win more more than everybody else. And one day we'll go back to being that other fan base, and someone else will get to win. And yep. but but the pure joy of that first Super Bowl championship, even though the Red Sox thing was like a life changing, altering thing for the entire region because of the the baggage, like the Red Sox had baggage. Right, 100 years of it. The Patriots started in 1960 and basically stunk for most of the first 30 years of their existence. Right, except for like one year. Right. Except for like five. So there was no baggage. It was just like, oh, they, they stink, they'll probably blow it. But it wasn't like, oh, they're out to get us. The Bambinos cursed us. You know, it was just like, right, oh, we right. stink. We're not as good as they are. Right. So, yeah, man. It was, that's an important point. That's why I think for fans our age, like – how many 20-year-old New England Patriots fans are there who've never known anything other than the Patriots win every year? Right. Like, when you're our age and you have to grow up with your football team stinks every year and they win one game and they're the worst team in the league, to go from that to this moment was, was unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what made it so special. It's not going to be as special for some 15-year-old kid from, you know, Weymouth, uh, watching the Patriots win the whatever the third Super Bowl of his lifetime, uh, you know, next week. It's not. It's just not going to be as special for him as it was for us. Correct. And the only way that can ever come back is if they'd have to go on to decline for a long time. If they and, get bad again, right? And that's where the Eagles fans are now, which is that right. they uh, 
They couldn't love their team more. And as one of the guys pointed out, I think Dan Ruddle, I mean, what really stinks is they made one Super Bowl in 1980, Super Bowl 15. Jaws. Yep, Jaws, Ron Jaworski. And then the Redskins win three Super Bowls. Oh, the Giants win two Giants. Super Bowls. The Cowboys, who had already won like two, win three more. Yeah. And then they get, you know, Donald McNabb finally gets them back. Yeah. Almost 35 years later. And they obviously lose. And now that's been, and that was 14 years ago. So the, right. the joy that they will feel, and I did say I wanted this to be a jinx free podcast, and I think I've managed to do that, but. I will understand your joy, folks in Philly, if you get if you get the W, and I will yeah. I will not be jealous of your joy because it, it was an amazing feeling that night. And thinking back on that night, it's still the best championship that, that, that I've it's experienced. Yeah, it's the best. It's it's my favorite. Like I've had great moments in sports, like participating, in right? Sports, personally, playing right. Or, or coaching, and but as a fan, that is the greatest moment of my, and I've been a huge sports fan my whole life, that's the greatest moment, and I don't think that could possibly be the top. And, and the ball, Adam Vinatieri's kick, that moment where you knew it was going through and they won the game, that moment will never be. I mean, I just feel like, as I remember it now, the ball was about to go through the goal line, and I was already on the second floor of 74. You already floors. had your pants off. Like, I, was, I had to walk off. Like, it was like Big Poppy letting it linger. I was, I was walking off. Because I knew what I had to do. I made a promise. You made a promise. <laughs> I wasn't a wise man, but at least I kept my word on that one, you know? Yeah. Uh, nice, man. Well, hey, stick around for a minute. I don't, can't think of a better way to end it. I will say once again to Eagles fans, uh, you know, good, great fan base. Hey, good luck. Good luck. Good Absolutely. Good you know team. what? Good luck. Yeah. Congrats to both teams on getting here. I, I especially like it because uh, it is so much different watching the Super Bowl when your favorite team is in it. And so it's nice to get another chance to do that. And for Eagles fans, welcome back to the party. And we will be doing Facebook Live by quarter with myself and Cindy Harrington this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, Filibuster Freestyle, Mega Bomb, Video Bomb, by quarter podcast. It shouldn't disappoint. There'll probably be a whole wheel of cheese, maybe some cocktail shrimp. Uh, Fat Gavin's coming out for Super Bowl Sunday. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, what breaking news! Breaking news here on the podcast. Bury the lead. Three hours into the podcast, Fat Gavin's coming back on Sunday. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Big thing. All right, Roscoe, Pete. We Gavin, will. It was Fat Gavin doing the naked jumping jack, so it's, it's all it's so appropriate. People don't forget. <laughs> all right, Roscoe. You and I have some serious music podcasts to catch up on uh, in the year 2018. Uh, we got to break down who actually got into the Hall of Fame. We, uh, we, we will do that, but for another time. And uh, we'll catch you soon, Roscoe. Pete, thanks for being on. Stick around. We'll catch you up. All right.